Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Michael Sylvester. Michael is the Chief Executive Officer of Blue Line Laundry in Australia. He's based in one of the most beautiful parts of Australia. We were just having a chat before we started recording about how beautiful um, Tasmania is. Um, and uh, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks, Jono. Uh, fantastic to be here. First of all, tell us about Blue Line Laundry, uh, what you do as an organization, and also what you do in your role as CEO. Yeah, no problem at all. Look, we're a very fascinating organisation. Uh, we were founded by the Sisters of the Good Shepherd 130 years ago, 130 years next year, actually. Um, and the purpose back then was to create um, meaningful work or career opportunities for, for women and, and young girls. So back in the 19th century, if you um, you know fell pregnant out of wedlock, chances are you would have been kicked out of the family home. And if you were widowed, there was you know a quite quite a narrow uh, section of roles in the community in which which you could earn an, in, an income. So, the laundry was originally established to provide meaningful employment for uh, women and, and young girls. And um, 130 years later, our purpose today is is very similar, and that's that we exist to be a large employer uh, for people from disadvantaged backgrounds. We have about 240 staff across the state of Tasmania. 35% of those work with um, cognitive, neuro or physical diversity. That's sometimes referred to as disability. We, we generally try not to refer to the marginalised acronym, but we, but we refer to the strength in the individual. Another 35% of our workforce are from multicultural community, um, generally on temporary visas. And then the balance of staff are, are, are from trauma background so that's the that's the construct and, and purpose of, of our business we're one of the largest commercial laundries in in tasmania we have 550 odd customers across the state and we wash around 5600 tons of linen per year wow <laughs> yeah incredible snapshot of uh, of the organization thank you for that michael uh Let's jump into your story. I want to start with your childhood. And as you look back, uh, what are the moments from that season of your life or even the themes from growing up that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today, Michael? Yeah, so I, I grew up on the northwest coast um, of Tasmania in, in like a fairly small uh, rural community. It was probably in an era that living out of town wasn't a popular thing back then and certainly is, is a more popular thing now. I, I, I had a lot of freedom um, as a young kid and, and what, I, what I meant by that, you know, our neighbours weren't overly close. We had a lot of space around our property. Um, I could quite often go walking around the property, take dog for a walk. Um, you know, we had chooks and ducks and, 
you know, an endless amount of space to set up cricket pitches uh, as long as it was away from the white sheets on the line. On the clothesline, it was pretty pretty safe. Um, so I, I had a very playful childhood and I think some of the influence on that now on reflection has been around creativity and not necessarily um, limiting my thinking to a closed mindset. But I, I generally had a very... Um, fun and upbeat childhood and I say that in the consciousness of the privilege that I had um, at the time as well yeah yeah absolutely Uh, no thank you for sharing about that Uh, when it comes to leadership you know it it takes lots of different forms I, I love to ask people about one of their earliest you know opportunities where they were really in the deep end as a leader some people it's five-year-old entrepreneurial you know really funny stories from when they're really little others it's even in you know our 20s or 30s where we for the first time really owned a project or were managing people um what comes to mind for you can you think of one of the first in the deep end sort of leadership opportunities in your life yeah look i think for me i I guess one of the um one of the more more forming moments um, was when I first started a, a career and um, engineer by training. So went through went through a lot of the um, engineering and, and typical project management career phases, and uh, I found myself in quite senior roles at a very young age. Um, and I guess the forming moments for me around leadership is that. I've always been surrounded by people that have been older than me and therefore forming a, a judgment or a question or a line of inquiry around my capability. Um, you know, so, you know, as a young engineer in your 20s, you know, leading teams of 30, 40, 50, 60 people that have been in organisations longer, been around longer, done things in a certain way. Um, so, A lot of the challenge that I had in the leadership space was actually building trust with teams um, and really establishing that I was somebody that you could trust and that, you know, the what's in it for me factor wasn't overly bearing. And and look, on on reflection, it's it's something that I wish I had done a lot better. Um, You know, I was quite career orientated. in my earlier phases of, the, of career. And, and I think that, um, well, I don't just think, I, I know that showed up quite a few times as eroding trust. But, um, you know, so I, I guess in, in essence, to get to the heart of your question, it, it's, it was working with a group of people that were older than me where I really had to establish trust in terms of the principles in which I, I chose to operate. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because you might be, uh, you know, uh, reflecting on yourself and going, I probably could have done that better. But I think, to be honest, every listener, uh, every leader who's listening, uh, can we can all reflect. And, and I think trust is one of those things where you go, wow, building trust and really um, investing trust in those we lead is, it's a game changer. And, and I think every leader can reflect and go at different points in their leadership, they could have done it better. I, I'm interested in your learnings. What, what did you learn from those early years? What have you learned in recent years about how to do that, you know, how to build trust as a leader? 
Yeah, I, I remember a, a former manager um, said this quote to me once, and it's something that's really stuck with me. And, and being an engineer, it's easy to think about things in equations and, and processes. And, and the quote that was given to me was, um, trust is an equation um, which is capability divided by self-interest. And, you know, there's all, all forms of way of uh, describing trust. And there's Ooh, I like some that. theory about it, trust, but capability divided by self-interest. And, and what that means it's in its essence, if, if you're really, really capable in, individual, um, or you're capable technically or capable in a certain subject matter expertise, your audience or your team will give you trust. But if your self-interest factor is too high, which is the denominator in that equation, you start to erode that trust that you're given. Mm. And I think, for, I think for me, in reflecting on my journey, um, you know, my capability w- was quite high, um, you know, for, for my age, um, you know, I always found, found myself in, in fairly senior roles early on, but my self-interest factor was too high. Like I was very, I was very career orientated. Um, I was very comfortable playing the political game in a corporate environment. And I was quite often surrounded by um, blue, a blue collar workforce, to be honest, that had far more emotional intelligence than I did. And they could see through that self-interest factor quite easily. Yeah. And I was completely blind to it and mm. was completely naive to it. And it's something that I've had to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I wish I learned earlier than I, than I did. Mm. I, get, I guess part of my growth um, through that and the leadership growth was just getting really comfortable with who I am as an individual and learning my values. And it's, it's taken me a long, term, long time to learn those values. I think it's something that, you know, as a young leader, you quite often get asked, oh, what are your values? And you sort of roll a few things off your tongue that you know, <laughs> people can buy into or, or yeah. generally make sense of. Yes. But to really know in your essence what your values are is something else and even right here and, and right now you know i'm still defining those redefining those you know warning mm. or reclaiming those myself as i grow and mature yeah well, what advice would you give to a, a leader who's listening who might be earlier in their journey and is maybe battling some of that self-interest maybe they've just started um, having some awareness or maybe people have pointed it out <laughs> as, as happens and is unpleasant, um, but necessary, you know, what advice would you give them about how to grow, you know, like what can you do proactively to battle that if it is something you see in yourself? One of the, one of my critical reflections is that um, your growth, you know, your growth up the corporate ladder or your growth along the leadership pipeline is more driven by the amount of people pushing you than what you're doing as an individual pulling people. And if you can understand that metaphorically, then the rationale is the more people that you have on your side that's got your back for the right reasons, the more inertia that you will have going down your pathway to achieve your goals or your direction. So at the heart of that is a people um, engagement philosophy, which comes back to prioritising your interpersonal relationships. And 
I, I think for a, a, a young a young leader that, that might be um, listening to this, it is it is absolutely to prioritise and maximise the interpersonal relationships that you have with the people around you, people one removed in your business and other stakeholders, because that is the most useful way of, of gaining trust and credibility. Hmm. And I mean, just getting really practical, how, how do you do that? How, what have you learned about how to really invest in those key relationships for the long term? The, the, the concept of win-win is really important. I think, you know, we, we talk about this concept and, and when, when you talk about it, you know, whether it's a commercial negotiation or it's a business relationship or it's just two, two team members trying to work out where their mutual respect is to get on with, it, with each other, the concept of win-win is intellectually obvious. Um, the challenge is to really do it in your heart and what I mean by that is to absolutely accept a position of compromise and you may be compromising from your preferred position or what's best for you but the absolute compromise is the best thing to do for the relationship and the relationship needs to be seen as the most important part of the connection that you have with the individual or the team or the group of people and learning how to accept somebody else's view, truly accept somebody else's view and respect it, and learning how to live with that compromise, um, I, I think is more of an art than a science. Uh, it's it, you know it's something that that I struggled with with early on. You know, I I, I remember being in different forums and. You know, you'd, you'd compromise on something, but you do it, you know, begrudgingly, or there'd be a little bit of regret um, around it, or uh, you'd almost continue to work in the same way you've always worked, even though you've acknowledged that there's there's a better outcome. To me, the nirvana is is that you know truly accepting that compromise in in your heart and mind, um, and helping somebody else be successful, mm. even at the expense of, of your short term success. Yeah, well said. I think that's a great perspective. Um, as you look back on your career so far, I'm, I'm interested, uh, you know, you mentioned those key relationships. Who are some of the mentors or, or just leaders that you've had around you who have had the biggest positive influence on your leadership? Yeah, it's a great question. I got this, I got asked this question um, in a forum a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, when, when I look back, on, on my experience, there, there's probably, you know, two or three, three or four, no more than five, if you like, really true leaders or mentors that have really, really shaped my thinking. Um, you know, I've always been surrounded by capable people and I've, I've been surrounded by people that have been leading things and had leadership roles. But in terms of that true influence and that true impact to me as an individual um, you know you count on one hand um, the, the true influences and, th and I think for a lot of leaders that, that really reflect um, on, on how they've been shaped that would be a common thing um, so one of my earlier leaders was was a manager by the name of uh, Tony Den and 
I worked at the time for Hydro Tasmania, which is a, the Hydroelectric Commission in the state, now has a thousand staffing um, employer, and I was in the civil engineering department. And, and Tony was a true uh, champion of, of the business. He was, he was an absolute gentleman um, in his heart and, and the way he went about things. Um, he just had this huge air of credibility as a human being and a very, very high level of, of technical capability. And in fact, you know, some of his thinking in that organisation was so far in front of, of every, everybody else that it might have actually been his uh, peril at the end of the day in terms of, you know, other engagement factors that, that he was uh, working through at the time. He was literally decades ahead of where, you know, other departments were and other individuals were. Um, and he really, really shaped my thinking in terms of the of the trust. And, and I remember mentioned the equation before, you know, capability divided by self-interest. And I, I wasn't actually aware or hadn't actually framed that in my mind when I was working with Tony. So it's only on reflection that, I, that I've sort of um, realised that his ability to get on with people and manage interpersonal relationships was, was his strength. And that's been a really, really significant um, influencer uh, for me. There's a, there's another chapter I work with who, who was a, a designated mentor of mine, um, and it was a guy by the name of, of Alan Evans who was a corporate secretary at, at the company I worked for. And um, Alan had some really significant governance experience, and I I got a lot of value from Alan. Um, one, because he was a, a very much a straight shooter, but he was very much a proper operator, you know, followed the letter of the law, uh, didn't didn't push boundaries around people's um, interest. And, and what, I, what I mean by that, it, like he didn't treat his position of power as a social science experiment on what people would do. He was very, very respectful of people. And just a, like just a very, very good operator was somebody that you'll trust in that capability space um, very, very highly, very senior official. Um, so he taught me a lot of discipline around process, timeliness, the ability to have a conversation, then make a decision and get on with some and actions and just make it happen. Yeah. And trust your judgment in it. And I, I, then I guess the... the and I, I'll stop talking when I get to the third person. The third, the third person is not actually a, a, a person, but it's a group of people who um, have shaped my, my leadership story. And it's the group of people that I currently work with at Blue Line Laundry. And it's those from a multicultural background that are, that are trying to cut out a living on a temporary visa. Um, it's those working with a disability um, that have trauma in their background, they have trauma in their experience, and they they live a life of hardship um, that's greater than I could ever document on 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 paper. Um, it, it's those people that come to work every single day, um, balancing, I guess, a supported wage with a disability support pension. You know, work there thirty to forty hours a week, six a.m. starts. Um, 
We've got 50,000 products going through our laundry every day. It's a product out the door every 1.67 seconds in a fully commercial environment. It's real world work. Uh, and it's, it's those people that day in, day out come and do that. They're the ones that I'm really in awe of and they're the ones that are really influencing my leadership mm. style at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's incredible. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from some of those people you're working with? I, I think, um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a good question, the, the, the way you've framed it. Um, some of the biggest lessons is to be really, really comfortable with who you are. Um, you know, I, I see... People come today and uh, come to work every day, and some of them do what I would call really meaningful tasks, really um, meaningless tasks. However, for them, it adds meaning and purpose in the, in their life, uh, and it adds meaning and purpose in their life because they're very, very in tune with what their value proposition is. So there's some realism. So some of the the lessons there is around the realism about what actually makes you tick at work and what do you get out of your professional career. I think that's really important. You know, clearly a, a, another lesson that I'm acutely aware of here is my responsibility in, in leading the organisation. As I touched on before, we're a very unique charity in the fact that 95% of our revenue comes from our commercial operations. So we're not a program funded organisation. We have to be commercially sustainable in our own right and we're a price taker uh, in the marketplace. That comes with a, with a lot of responsibility because if we get things wrong, it ultimately means jobs to people that would suffer barriers to employment elsewhere. Um, you know, if, if things get horribly wrong and, you know, I get sacked or moved on or, you know, the business closes up, you know, chances are I'll be pretty right. You know, I'll find a job uh, somewhere else. Um, you know, might have to move out of out of Tassie to do it, but I'll be okay. A lot of people that work here won't be so okay, and they have a lot of interpersonal relationships at work, which serve to make them more resilient community members. That comes mm. with quite a bit of responsibility to get things right. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, what an incredible mission. That's. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility, but I, I also can imagine it's it's a big part of loving what you do. Oh, it's a huge part of um, uh, loving um, what I do. Look, I, you know, some of my motivation um, to work at, at Blue Line was around my mother-in-law's story who'd lived with a disability all her life. And, you know, unfortunately, she's, she's passed away now. And I remember her eulogy booklet and it was a picture of her um, standing at our kitchen bench and she and she just baked a cake and... She had flour, you know, all over the place and all over her. And I just remember her smile and just how happy she was. And that was my first awakening about what meaning looked like for those um, less advantaged than, than myself. And I, I see that in the workplace here. I see the things that we provide for people every day just what a difference that makes in their whole life. And it's something that, you know, as, as a, you know, as a professional, you know, I've got a couple of degrees, uh, been pretty employable. 
that's something I actually take for granted. You know, what does what does work actually do for me? You know, generally generally it has been about, you know, growing the family and maybe updating the boat or, you know, buying a new car or a bigger house. It's it's a lot of um, it's a lot of materialistic value, has been materialistic value, has had, I guess, overbearing on what the what the true personal growth has been. Whereas what I what I see in others, it's all about personal growth. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's beautifully said, um, and and lovely to hear about the legacy of your mother in law in uh, reflected in your work and and in the work you're doing. Um, uh, you know, investing in the uh, the amazing team you have at Blue Line Laundry. Uh, let's jump into Leadership Express, Michael. Uh, this is this is so much fun getting to hear a bit of your story. I want to ask you a, a few quick questions as we land. What is a book, or there might be a couple, that you gift to other people? So it's the you know your go-to book to give away, or it might be one that you've recommended a lot to other people. Yeah, look, um, I think any of the of the Stephen Covey books, I've got a lot of value out of it as a young leader because they're very um, um, they're very concise um, in in their messaging around what good leadership looks like, you know, concepts uh, beginning with the end in mind um, and all of that, learning the art of that, you know, really makes sense as a young leader. And then one of the more practical books that's just been released is a book called Space Makers, which is written by an organisation called Space Makers. And it's all about how as a, you know, it's, it's not limited to more mature leaders. Um, it's still relevant for, for for younger leaders as well, but it's a bit harder to to work out how to make it happen. But it's all about creating space in your day and your week and your month uh, to do the things that you want to do, um, which could be thinking strategically. Um, it could be um, having spending more time at home. Uh, but it's a very, very practical book and some of the the ideas that Daniel who's the author and the owner of that company called Space Makers presents um, is just really really refreshing ideas things like you know how, how you control your your social media content um, how, how do you actually interface with your phone in a professional sense without you know having the appetite to check your Facebook account or your ads on Gumtree or LinkedIn and, and those type of things so I think the combination of the of the Stephen Covey theory and the space makers practicality would be that the combination of books I'd recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Great recommendations. Um, when it comes to morning routine, is there anything that you have found has become a, a non-negotiable for you when it comes to, you know, as a leader, what, what is, uh, you know, what does it look like for you? Are, are you are you part of the sort of they talk about the five a.m. club? Or I love talking to leaders who say, "No, nah, you know, for me, I, I, I actually am at my best really late in in the evening." You know, where do you sit in that? Yeah, I don't find that I'm um, at my best late in the evening. You know, the kids go to bed uh, when kids should, and, and my wife does the same. I get quite envious of that. Um, you know, if I get my, if I'm working late at night, and you know, I. I I, I do it, I wouldn't say often, I do it often enough that I'm aware of it and you get the second wind, uh, then you're up and it's hard to sleep and you get a, get a sleepless night. So my, my answer to that is my morning routine starts the night before by um, ridding myself of screens and lights, you know, a good 
30, 40 minutes before I go to bed. I, I like to do, and I don't do it often enough, I like to just sit on the floor, most in the dark and, and stretch. Um, just before I go to bed, the, the, the night before, you know, sitting sitting at your desk is that musculoskeletal skeletal killer. Um, and, and I'm certainly not, not immune to that. And so there from a morning routine, once I've done that, you know, I wake up with a really good night's sleep. I wake up fresh. Um, my wife jumps in the shower. My job's to go and start making lunches. And then uh, we roll reverse. And, you know, Rachel takes everything out of the lunchbox that I've put in and, and puts decent food and, and <laughs> get a constitution of lunchboxes while I go and have a shower and then makes me feel like I've actually done it myself. Um, and that's that's generally my, my morning routine. So I, I come to work, you know, quite fresh, quite up, upbeat with a really clear mind about what needs to happen for the day. And, yeah. and I find that really that really works for me because there's no procrastination when I walk in the door of, at work. Yes. Um, you know, I'm awake, I'm alert, and I'm ready to go. Brilliant. Love it. Uh, okay, let me um, uh, ask a couple more questions. One-on-one -on -one meetings. This is something that leaders, you know, talk about all the time. And any tips for you know, uh, having running great meetings with your direct reports? Conversational. Um, I think your one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct reports need to happen often. And I spend a fair bit of my time just walking around, checking in um, with people on how they're going and what they're doing. And then, you know, we strike up a conversation a a about things. Um, one of my uh, previous direct one of my direct reports at a previous organisation, actually, um, his strategy was as far as talking to me and uh, was diamonds and dirt. So his perspective was that he'd tell me all the really, really great things that have, that's been uh, achieved and all the stuff in the in the dirt space or the not so good space that needed help and guidance with, and then we'd be we'd be very silent in in the middle of the conversation. And I found that principle quite quite useful mm. for your direct reports like what's, I like what's that. all the stuff that they need help with um, yes. and they need guidance with or they need you to sign off on a decision yeah and what's all the really good things they're doing that you can actually leverage their their strengths and their perspective yeah that's great I really like that diamonds and, and dirt idea um, last question if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader what would you say to them I would say um, temper your aspiration and listen with both ears. And mm. I, I say that through my own filter of my own journey and what worked and what didn't work for me and what I would do differently. But as a young leader, fundamentally accepting that you're going to be surrounded by people that know more and have achieved more um, and using them as your university or your library um, would be fundamentally important. You'll learn more from the people around you and by listening than you will by reading any amount of literature or doing a, another university course. Yeah. And be really open to being influenced in a positive way, but be really open to be influenced by other people. So good. Well, for those who've really enjoyed our conversation, how can people connect with you online and also find out more about Blue Line Laundry? Well, you can jump on the Blue Line uh, Laundry website, www.blueline.com.au. 
hyphenlaundry.com. We've got a fascinating website. We've got fascinating news stories about about what we do uh, and about our journey and, and how we've reshaped purpose and strategy. And by all means, you know, connect connect with me through um, LinkedIn if, if you need to. Happy to have a chat one-on-one or, or, or a group forums if there's anything that you, you want to share or bounce off me. So good. Well, I want to thank our listeners. Um, wonderful to get an insight into Michael's um, story, but also to, to get a bit of more of an insight into Blue Line and um, the amazing organization um, that Michael leads. And don't forget for our listeners, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Michael, for being so generous with your time and uh, for being so much fun to to spend time with as well. I, I've really enjoyed today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. It's been great having a chat to you. All the best, Jono. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much 
that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. (music) 